Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Mike McGowan. So glad to see you. So glad to be back with you. Uh, as some of you know that, you know, follow me on social media, you'll know that last week um, I ended up having to have emergency surgery to uh, remove a golf ball size abscess that was the result of an infection. And so I wasn't able to be here last week. So thanks to Pastor Gary for uh, filling in for me last week. And, and thanks to you who, uh, yeah, you can give Gary a round of applause. Yeah, he, he did great. Hey, he was awesome. Um, but also thank you for those of you that prayed for me. Because honestly, I really could feel God's presence. I could feel his hand of protection. I could um, just feel him caring for me and keeping the, you know, the pain at a minimum. So I really want to say thank you so much for praying for me. Um, and, and I've had some people ask me like, some more specific questions uh, about this. They're like, well, so Pastor Mike, like, like where was this abscess? <laughs> so let me just put it to you like this, okay? While y'all were here at church eating your donuts, I was home sitting on mine, okay? So let me just, I'll just leave it at that, okay? <laughs> so so let, let's continue with our series called Ways Where We're Letting God Lead, uh, because we're talking about how do we let God lead us in you know, big decisions in life, as well as like the small day-to-day decisions. And we're using the Ways app as an illustration for letting God lead. Now, I have not been using the Waze app very long. And so, I, truth is, I don't have any you know, real personal stories about it because I just haven't been using it very long. But a lot of our pastors on staff have. Uh, in fact, I was talking with Brian Brunke, our small groups operations pastor, and he was telling me a story about how last summer, he and his family, they were in Florida, and they were uh, on their way from the hotel to Disney that day, and they were using the Waze app to you know, find the way there, and the Waze app told him to, to get off of the really direct route that he was on and go a longer way. And he was like, well, that's dumb. Like, why in the world would I do that? And so he ignored it and just kept going the way he wanted to go. Well, sure enough, he got himself in an enormous traffic jam because someone uh, you know, down the road had had a wreck and it took him two hours longer to get to Disney. And so you know, Brian told me this week, he's like, look, Mike, so whatever the Waze app says to do, do it. Like, no matter what. And I thought about that. Like, there's some lessons in there for us. Because some of us haven't been following God very long. There, I mean, there's people listening, they haven't been following God very long. And so when God says, go a different way, we don't have enough experience to say, okay, God, I'm going to get off this direct route that I'm on and go the way that you're leading me. But look, I'm telling you, listen to those of us that have been walking with God for a long time. If God says to change routes, then change routes. Because look, I can tell you every time there is something that he sees down the road that you cannot see. And so you have to learn to trust him. You got to learn to trust him and go the way he's telling you to go. Look, don't just take my word for it. Take the word of the people who've been following God for a long time. They'll tell you the same thing. In fact, the people of Israel in Bible times would tell you the same thing because there was a time in their history when God was leading them to go a certain way that they did not expect 
and did not make any sense. And it's from this experience that we're going to learn some valuable principles of how we can let God lead in our own lives. So let's continue the story of the Israelites' exodus uh, from Egypt, which Gary kicked off last week. So let me tell you where we are this week in the pages of the story. Pharaoh has just let more than a million Israelite slaves go free. And so now they are on their way to the promised land. But they don't know where it is, and they don't know how to get there. They have to let God lead. You ever been uh, in a situation similar to that? You ever want God to lead you to you know, your own promised land, whether that's with your career or with you know, starting a business um, or to be married or to have a baby, to have another baby, to you know, find the right school, right college, to find happiness again in your family? You know, I mean, whatever it is that might look like for you. Do you ever want God to lead you to whatever your promised land looks like? but you don't know where it is, and you don't know how to get there. You ever been in that situation? I mean, I think we all have. And to get there, we have to let God lead. We gotta let him lead our lives. And so the question for us becomes, then, well, what are the principles to let God lead me wherever it is that he wants us to go? Well, from the Israelites, we learn three really, really important principles. So pull out your message notes if you haven't done so already, and let's look at them, okay? Here's the first of the three principles about letting God lead our lives. And number one is this, is that God's way is not always the shortest, but it is the best. God's way is not always the shortest, but it is the best. In Exodus chapter 13, beginning of verse 17, here's what the Bible says. It says, when Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said, if the people are faced with battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Okay, now, in case you're not familiar with your Bible maps, let me show you the route that, that they went on. Let's put this map up here. Um, Egypt, uh, in that day and time, was the, is the place that's in red, and the promised land is the place that's in blue, and that encompasses most of modern-day Israel, okay? So the shortest route, obviously, would be just to follow the coastline right there. In fact, there was a major trade route that went that way, so this is a major road, and it would have been so easy for them to have left Egypt and just gone straight to the promised land. But that's not the way that God led them because God said that it would lead them through enemy territory and they would face a lot of battles. So look at the way that God did lead them. Let's put that up there. Here's the way that they went. Definitely not the shortest way, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, definitely not the shortest way, but it didn't matter. That was God's way. That's the way that God led them. Look, and I'm gonna tell you this. In your own life, there's going to be times that, you're going to, that God's going to be leading you from point A to point B, but he's not always going to lead you the most direct route. There are going to be times in your life when he's going to lead you to go the roundabout way to get where he wants you to go. Let me give you an example. When I was a teenager, um, I knew that God had called me to be 
the senior pastor of a church. I mean, I, I knew when I was in high school that God was leading me to become a senior pastor of a church at, at some point. But I, but I knew that most people don't start out as a senior pastor, okay? You start out, you know, doing other things on a church staff to just kind of learn how to be a minister, learn how to be a pastor. And a lot of times people start in youth ministry. So, you know, when I was in college, I worked in youth ministry for years and loved it. And then when I went to seminary, I got the chance to be a part-time senior pastor at a really small church. Well, when it came time for me to graduate from seminary and to enter ministry full-time, I knew that God would, you know, have, would lead me to a different church. And I just assumed that God would continue to lead me to be a senior pastor. So imagine my surprise as I'm praying about things and I really feel like God is leading me to go back into youth ministry. And I'm thinking, God, isn't this like the wrong way? I mean, isn't that a step backwards from where you want me to go, you know, long term? And look, and I'm not saying that youth ministry is, is, is a step back, but, it's, but for the path that I was on, the path that I knew that God wanted me to go, it, it, it would have been. But I'm all for career guys. Like our youth pastor, Chris, he's a career youth pastor and he's great at it. And that's what he wants to do with his life. But for me, it felt like it was, it was a step backwards. And so I, I was faced with a choice. Do I go my way or do I go God's way? Now, fortunately for me, I already knew this principle. So it was actually a fairly easy for, decision for me because I said, okay, God, if you want me to, to take what appears to be a step backwards, I'll totally do it. Because there must be something down the road that you see that I cannot see. There must be something you want me to learn on this path that I'm going to need for a future path later down the road. And so God, I trust you. And so I'm in. And that is how God brought me to Katie as a youth pastor. And, the, and look, and the lessons I learned as a youth pastor have made me a way better senior pastor. And so get this, I'm thankful for the long road. I'm thankful for the long road because the long road was God's road. The long way was God's way for me. And it ended up being the best way. Okay, so for you, would you be willing to let God lead your life, lead you his way? Would you be willing to let him lead you even if it seems like he's leading you to take a step backwards, a perceived step backwards or a perceived lateral step, or, some, or maybe the long way, the roundabout way to where you think that you really want to go. And look, and it might be in a career. It might be opening a business. It might be closing down a business. It might be in a dating relationship. It might be students. It might be with a college choice. It might be, you know, which AP class do I take or not take? But, but the point is, would you be willing to let God lead? Because who knows what God wants you to do? I mean, the point is, only he does. He's the only one that knows, and because he's the only one that knows, you have to trust him for each step of the way, which is why his way is always the best way. So would you, you, would you make a commitment to let God lead you even if it seems like it's not the shortest way? Would you do that? All right. There's a second principle we have to follow if we're going to let God lead, and that's this. This is, this is a big one. This is really important. Principle number two is, 
Circumstance and coincidence are terrible ways to interpret God's leading. Circumstance and coincidence are terrible ways to interpret God's leading. Okay? So, at this stage in the game, the people of Israel, they're on their way to the promised land, but Pharaoh realizes he's made a huge mistake by letting more than a million slaves go because by doing that, who's going to do all the work in Egypt? So Pharaoh decides he's going to chase after the Israelites, recapture them, and bring them back to Egypt as slaves. So let's pick up what happens in Exodus chapter 14, beginning in verse 9. The Egyptian army, with all the horses and chariots and drivers, pursued them, that's the Israelites, and caught up with them where they were camped by the Red Sea near Pi-Hahiroth and Baal-Zaphon. Okay, now, let's get you know, past all the Bible hard words. Let me just tell you this, what's going on here. <clears throat> the Israelites are camped right next to the Red Sea. And I think that they probably assume that you know, God's about to, the next day, God's going to lead them to go around. But then the Egyptians come up behind them and pin them in. And so they've got the sea on one side, the Egyptians on the other side, and there's no way out. Let's pick it up, verse 10. When the Israelites saw the king, that's Pharaoh, and his army marching toward them, they were terrified and cried out to the Lord for help. They said to Moses, weren't there any graves in Egypt? Did you have to bring us out here to the desert to die? Look what you've done by bringing us out of Egypt. Didn't we tell you before we left that this would happen? We told you to leave us alone and let us go on being slaves to the Egyptians. It'd be better us to be slaves there than to die here in the desert. I mean, it doesn't seem like you're talking to a teenager right there, right? So look, the Israelites, they make a huge mistake by using their circumstances to interpret God's leading in their lives. And look, I'm telling you, their circumstances, it, it, they were bleak because for them, there's no way out. They can't, they, they can't outrun the Egyptians. They can't fight them and possibly hope to win. And they can't sail across the Red Sea because you know, they don't have any boats. So they conclude wrongly that God has just led them in the desert to die, that there just weren't enough graves in Egypt and Egypt wasn't bad enough as slaves. God had to lead them in the desert to die. That was their conclusion. But the deal is that God had something in mind that they could not see. And, and we're, we're going to get to that in just a minute. But what I want you to see first is that when we try to interpret God's plans for our lives based on circumstances and by, on coincidence, we almost always get it wrong. For instance... When I came to Katie as a youth pastor, um, I was 26, I was single, wasn't dating anybody. And so when I came to Katie at that time, Katie was nothing but young families with kids, okay? There were no single people anywhere, like none. Like it was a dating desert, okay? And had I used my circumstances to interpret God's plans for me, I might have thought, God, you have brought me to Katie to die. <laughs> right? Because like, I was the only single person here under 45 years old. Like, that's it. That was it. And so I was like, God, this is horrible. But 
circumstances are a, and, and coincidences are terrible ways to try to interpret God's leading your life. Because look, little did I know that, in, that two years later, God would lead Amy to Beaumont, also a dating desert, by the way. God would lead Amy to Beaumont, and then he would bring us together, and through all that, it had nothing to do with our service. God's leading had nothing to do with our service because I was following God's leading. Amy was following God's leading as well. And because we were both following God's leading, he led us eventually to one another. But his initial leadings didn't have anything to do with God's long-term plans for us. He just wanted us to trust him. And so we did. Well, look, it, it, it's the same for you, okay? Because look, if you look at your circumstances to determine God's plans for your life, let me just be real honest. You're just foolish. You're just foolish. Because look, just because there's an open door at your company doesn't necessarily mean that you should walk through it. Doesn't mean that. Just because through some random circumstance you get a call from someone in your past doesn't mean that that person is now God's will for your life. Because look, here's the deal. Not only can God manipulate circumstances, but the devil can manipulate circumstances too. And so if you're looking at your circumstances, how do you know? Is it God? Is it the devil? Is it like just some random thing that happens? How do you know? You can't know. You can't. Which is why the circumstances and quinces are just such terrible indicators of God's plan and God's leading in your life. Because yes, sometimes God does lead through circumstances, but many, many times, God leads us to trust him in spite of our circumstances. That's why it takes, to faith, takes faith to follow him. Because many times, that's how God wants you to do. He wants you to follow him with faith. Look, that is why it is so important that you have a relationship with God. That's why you have an ongoing relationship so that you can let him lead your life. Now, the first step to having a relationship with God is asking your son Jesus to come into your life to forgive you and commit to following him. And if you've never done that, like that's where you need to start. And there's a prayer. It's in your message notes. I want you to take a second and pray it right now if you've never prayed that prayer before. And that's how you start that relationship. But if you already have a relationship with God, you have to be committed to develop and deepen that relationship so you can let God lead your life. Because it's all done through that relationship. So now, if you have that relationship with God, and let's just say that relationship's good, and, and, and you really have a desire to let God lead, then the question becomes, well, how do I know it's God leading me and not me leading me? How do I know this is what God's telling me to do and not something that like, I'm trying to talk myself into doing or something I'm trying to talk myself out of doing? How do I know it's really God? I mean, I get some version of that question all the time. So let me give you a threefold litmus test so that I can, you and I can know that it's God leading me and not me leading me, okay? Here it is. Here's the first part of the litmus test, is that whenever God leads you to do something, number one, it never contradicts the Bible, ever. Never contradicts the Bible, because look, the Bible is literally God's words to us. And because God cannot lie, he would never tell you to do anything that is contrary to his word, ever. So, you know, if you're sitting there wondering if God is leading you to leave your spouse to go 
you know, end up with somebody that you've met on Facebook, let me just tell you, that's not God leading you. It's not, because it's contrary to his word. If you're wondering if God is leading you to leave out some damaging details that might tank a certain business deal, that's not God leading you. That's your own greed. Because God would never lead you to do anything that would be contrary to the Bible, which is why you need to read this. You need to know it. Here's the second part of the litmus test. Number two is this, is that whatever it is, it's always loving. Whenever he leads you, it's always loving. The Bible says that God is love. And so anything he leads you to do is going to be the loving thing. Now look, let's be honest. The loving thing is not necessarily always the easy thing, is it? But look, most of the time when he's leading you, he's going to lead you to do like the most obviously loving thing. You know, for instance, if you and your family, you're in a restaurant and you, there's a single mom in the restaurant that you, you're, they're friends of your family, you know her and she's there with her three kids and you feel like God might be leading you to, you know, buy their family's meal that day, that's God leading you to do it because that would be the loving thing to do, Right? If you feel like God is leading you on your way home from work to stop and get some surprise flowers for your daughter because you have a daddy-daughter dance that night, that is God leading you to do something in the moment. So do it, because it is the most obviously loving thing to do, right? Third part of the litmus test is this, is that it's almost always just past what is comfortable. It really is. This is the one that gets me all the time, that whenever God's leading me to do something, it, it, it's, it's just always just past what I'm comfortable doing, so it forces me to you know, take that step of faith and trust God. For instance, like if, if, you know, if I've met somebody new out in the community or something like that, and we're just having a conversation, we're talking, and I feel like God is wanting me to bring up Jesus or bring up church, something like that, you know... I never really know how those conversations are going to go. So I always have a little bit of nervous about it. Um, but if I know it's God leading me, and so I pretty much always do it, okay? I mean, every now and then I'll chicken out. But most all the time, I'll do it because I know it's God leading me to do it. Because whenever God's leading me, it's always just past what I'm comfortable doing. Which is one way I know it's God leading me to do it. Because it's just a little bit past what's comfortable. And that'll be true for you too. Okay, so principle number three, here it is. Principle number three, there's my way, the highway, and God's way. There's always three choices. There's my way, the highway, and God's way. Always those three choices. Exodus 14, let's continue the story, verse 21. So there. They're there at the shores of the, sea of, of the Red Sea. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And all that night, the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided. And the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. Wow! I mean, that is amazing, okay? And look, let me just tell you, anytime God is leading you, you're always gonna have three choices. Your way, 
the highway or God's way. Always those three choices. In fact, the Israelites had those same three choices, okay? They could have chosen their way by just simply surrendering to the Egyptians and going back into slavery like they told Moses they wanted to do. Or they could have chosen the highway and run, and the highway is always running from God. They could have run from God by, you know, maybe trying to make a break for it or maybe trying to make a swim for it. Or they could wait on God's way. Now look, now here's the thing with God's way. The thing about God's way is this, is that it's almost always something that you would never think of yourself. I mean, look at the Israelites. There is no way the Israelites would have ever thought that God was going to divide the sea in half so that they could walk through on dry ground. In their wildest imaginations, they would have never considered that as a viable option, right? It would have never crossed their minds that, oh, this could probably happen. No, which is one of the things that makes it one of the greatest stories in the entire Bible because when you let God lead, God does something that you would just never expect him to do. See, with God's way, I mean, it seemed like I was going the wrong way as by returning to becoming a youth pastor, but God's way ended up being the best way. You know, when it seemed like I was moving to the you know, dating desert of Katy, it ended up being God's way because he brought someone into my life that would change my life forever and become the love of my life because it was God's way. Look, so whether it's with your kids or with your marriage or whether it's your career or your family or your health or your athletics or your school or your choices, you know, your whatever, look, don't try to do things your way. And don't run from God and take the highway. Let God lead to do things his way. Now, in order to see God do things his way, he asks you to do three things. It's the same three things that he asked the Israelites to do. Let's look at what he says to do. In Exodus 14, these are the three things that God asked me when he, uh, when he, when he wants to lead my life. Here it is. Exodus 14, verse 13. This is before God parts the Red Sea um, and the people are complaining to Moses. And Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. I want you to circle that. Circle, do not be afraid. Stand firm. Circle, stand firm. And you will see the deliverance the Lord your God will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Circle, be still. So in here, there are three things that God asks each one of us to do. The first is simply this. Don't give in to fear. Don't give in to fear. Look, here's the thing. When you let God lead your life, I'm, tell, I'm just telling you, sometimes there's going to be some fear. Because, look, anytime God asks you to step of faith, there's always going to be a little bit of fear involved, okay? It is okay to be a little scared when God asks you to take a step of faith. That's fine. It's pretty normal. But what you can't do is give in to the fear. Because when you give into the fear once, it becomes easier to give into it again and then again and again and again and again until finally your life is just filled with fear. And I'm telling you, fear is a faith killer. It, fear kills faith. And you become so filled with fear that eventually your life is just filled with anxiety and worry and stress because you have become a slave to your own fears 
and you never take risks, you never take chances for God, you never take those steps of faith because you're just so filled with fear. And so look, if that's you, if you've got a lot of fear or worry or anxiety, I, I, I have one word for you today. And that word is trust. Trust. Trust God and let him lead. That's the first thing he asks you to do. Here's the second thing. The second thing he asks you to do is this. He asks you and I to stand firm. I need to stand firm in my faith. Don't waver. When God says trust him, you trust him. When he says obey him, you obey him. When he says stop, you stop. When he says go, you go. Look, you don't bend God's commands to fit your desires. You don't bend God's word to fit what culture says is acceptable. You stand firm on what God says to do. Because look, here's the thing. You gotta remember, you're probably not gonna know how things are gonna work out in the end when God says to do something. In fact, you almost never know. That's why it takes faith to follow God when you let him lead. Stand firm in what he tells you to do, okay? Third thing he tells us to do is this. Just be still and wait. I need to be still and wait. Now look, being still is hard. Because here's the deal. When you're trying to let God lead, and that, that fear kind of begins to you know, bubble up, sometimes we'll panic, and we try to just, just take matters in our own hands and do the things that we think we ought to do to try to fix things or to alleviate things or to remedy things. That's what you can't do. You've got to be still and wait on God. Now, being still doesn't necessarily mean you don't do anything, okay, because look, at some point in time, I actually had to ask Amy out on a date. Like, I just can't, like, that wasn't just gonna magically happen. I had to actually do some things. But here's what I didn't do. Here's what I, I didn't lower my standards. I didn't start looking for fulfillment of God's promises in places where God was not leading. I didn't force things to happen. I allowed God to lead. Look. If you'll do all the things that we've talked about today, here's the deal. When you look back on your life in a year, your life is going to look different because you've let God lead. In two years, when you look back on your life, your life is going to look way different. In five years, when you look back on your life, your life is going to look dramatically different because you've let God lead. Look, and just like the Waze app, when you arrive at that destination, when you look back at the road, you will begin to see all the things that God has led you around. And you will see the things that you've been able to, that, that, that have happened in your life. And you'll be able to thank God for what you've been through and what you've seen along the way, the things that, you, that he's led you to do. Because you didn't do things your way. You didn't take the highway and run from God. You did things his way because you let him lead your life. Bow your head, close your eyes. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for every single person here today. Lord, I want to first off say thank you for the ways that you've led my life. And I, I want to say thank you in advance for the ways you're going to continue to lead my life. So thank you for that. But, but I pray for every single person here, every single person listening today, that you would give them the courage to let 
you lead. That you give them the fortitude, you give them the strength, you would give them the faith to follow you wherever you're leading them, and that you would cast away all of their fear, and that they would choose you even in the face of fear, and they would no longer be slaves to it. But instead, God, you would let that faith well up in them, and they would honor you at every step of their life. So let us become a people that are led by you every step of the way. And I ask you to do this in the amazing and wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.